routine, you should. Hey, it's Tim, Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, joined by the five one in the world, Jill Simonello. Sorry, we're talking uh, behind the scenes as we We know. were. We were talking about, you know, Tim's new 2024 workout routine. Right. And the fact uh, that he's old. <laughs> I've worked out for years, intermittently, <laughs> not as consistently as I want to be. This year, I want to work out more consistently. And I asked her husband who... I've worked out for years. Intermittent, not as consistent as I want to be. This and, show will work out. Uh, apparently, we haven't done live streams for a while. I've worked out for years. Intermittent, not. I'm like, hold on a second. Why am I echoing myself? Anyways, uh, ask your uh, husband who has uh, more experience than I do, who's been doing it much longer, and he downloaded his thoughts. I think that's a good way to say it. Um, yeah. Over three. By the way, I want to say to me the mistake of asking this question as we were driving to Indianapolis for Christmas. Oh, so he was in the car. He was so he's in the car and he's literally sending each exercise by text message with like point by point instructions. Three hours, three hours worth of text messages. And we like literally exit the highway and he's like, oh, good, I'm done. And I was like, oh, my God, poor Tim. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, so my, my question, myself, yeah, my, my question was, what muscle groups am I not hitting? Because I am hitting different muscle groups, and uh, yeah, he's um, uh huh, he's got some thoughts. Anyways, we have thoughts on trucks. I think tonight is what we're talking about. Maybe uh, I want to apologize for not having live streams until January seventeenth. Not having the that's Christmas. I got pretty damn sick. I was sick for at least ten days, and my energy level. I, I literally would have maybe an hour to. A, so I wasn't like throwing up or anything, just nasally. But I was so worn out that I would basically have an hour or two a day of energy. And then I was like, oh, time to go sit in my chair. And I just, that was it. I had, I had no, yeah, I had no more energy than that. So I, I want to apologize to the audience for that one. Um, that was on me. So. Um, oh, and then Dave, um, good transition. Dave in Canada is like, so where's Jill then? <laughs> um, so my dad passed away. Um, he passed away on January 1st and, um, I was home for Christmas and, um, everything was going really well and he looked really good. And then just it took a turn for the worse. And, um, if you followed the channel for a while, you know, my dad has been sick. Um, he had dementia and, um, it was expected, but unexpected. Um, we, we, we were thinking we still had a couple more months and so um, his he passed away on January 1, so New Year's Day. And then um, we had the memorial service on January 8th. And then when I got home after that, I, it's just been <laughs> yeah. a lot of catch up. Because essentially, you know, we, we I was off for three weeks and completely out of touch for three weeks. Yeah. So it just it's it one of those situations where we both had things going on. And I, would, I just didn't want to do a live stream without Jill. Because then it'd bring up like Dave's question, and I didn't want to announce it because it was is not my thing to announce, and so that's why we kind of push things off. But we're hoping that 2024 will get more regular scheduled. It can only go up from yeah. here. Maybe. <laughs> um, it, it just it, it's tough, you know. I I got uh, school recital things with things going on. Jill's got stuff going on. We're traveling, um, different schedules and traveling at times too. So we're gonna do the best we can. That's all I gotta say with that. Um, so. I'm just thinking about how to transition away from that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. So another news. Another news. Uh, let's see. Silverado known issues. Or uh, just, uh, let me say this differently. There's been a variety of stuff on the website that you may or may not have been aware of. There's um, and it's good stuff. So while I haven't felt good enough to do videos, 
I have felt good enough to write. And unfortunately, Jill's had to read it. But yeah, I have he's felt, been writing like badly, but you know, that's fine. Right. But I, I, I have. If he feels good enough to write, I should tell him to take a time out. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have been writing. I've been using the forum a lot. I am on the forum. If you haven't, just get on the forum. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I, I use the forum a lot. I do post some questions on there. I don't post anywhere else. And I just, I enjoy you guys' feedback. We're up to 109 people over there, I think. And uh, I just, I just like it. I just, that's what I like. So um, I, I, I've kind of, I don't know if 2024 is new me or whatever, but I have deleted Facebook off of all my uh, devices, except for my phone. I don't, I, unless I'm sitting on my computer, I don't check Facebook. I just, I, I, and I, YouTube comments lately have been just, tough for me to handle because people aren't watching the video. They're just making assumptions that what I said in the video. And I've literally responded to people like a dozen times today. Yeah. Like I said in the video. Yeah. Like I said in the video. And I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm getting to the point where I just need to stop. So anyways, yeah, I really would appreciate if you guys were over there. Um, it makes my life a lot easier and you guys have better questions over there. We're actually um, a fun fact. We're working on two questions over there that may turn into website stories. First of all, the Toyota Tacoma Limited um, comes in two versions of all-wheel drive, or full-time four-wheel drive, and part-time four-wheel drive, which is interesting. And then the um, air compressor, the high-output air compressor, has become a hot topic over there. And I didn't realize this with the Tacoma. Jill, I feel like you and I saw this in a Trail Hunter, and we said, "Oh, cool, it's got an air compressor," you know, whatever. wasn't a wasn't a big thing that we talked about. Right. But my goodness, there's a lot of conversation about that, and what trim gets it. And which trims are pre-wired for it? Which ones come standard with it? And it's been some really interesting conversations over there in the forum. But on the website, as well as, as stories over there, too, um, we have quite a bit going on the homepage. And I just want to talk about a few things. Uh, 2023 Chevy Silverado 1500 known problems, which I love these. I love these posts. I love the And it was I wrote it. And I went through and went through. So, of course, you love it because you wrote, wrote it. it. Uh, I went through <laughs> NHTSA.gov and I went through car compliance and stuff like that. And then we have the best trucks of the money, longest lasting. We have the recall, Volvo recall, which I know Jill's super excited about that Volvo's XC40 recall. Big thing, thing of that. Um, and then Jill wrote yeah, this. I cut and pasted that story into the website. I'm very passionate about it. You wrote it so well. It was I so really amazing. did. Me, me and the NHTSA. Mm. <laughs> and then we have the, uh, what is the Ram 25, 2025 Ram 1500 RHO, which has been creating some conversation on uh, the YouTube's. Um, as far as what that goes on. So, so let me uh, let me talk first of all about the, the known issues, but I want to frame this in a way that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop my screen for a little bit. I want to talk about this in a different way. Um, so I went through the known issues and everybody, not everybody, but quite often in the comments, I get asked about engines. And Jill, and I, yeah, Jill and I have done, you've gone through this with, uh, with Consumer Reports. You talked to Jake over there at Consumer Reports as well. Um, and you've done these reliability stories, determining what engine out of, say, I think Chevy's lineup right now is currently three engines, which engine may have an issue, which engine may not have an issue. It's, it's they, they don't distinguish very don't. often, unless you look at the, like the NHTSA, like their, um, their complaint section, um, and their recall area. Um, so and, and usually it's called out like which engine in there, but that's like a lot of legwork to really dig into that and see which engine is the problem. Well, and the other reality you have with that problem is that not everybody classifies the engine correctly. I've mm. been in there and people are like, my engine's wrong. The problem with this, turns out it's a damn blinker issue or something. It's just, it, it, people make these things up 
And then it's hard to figure out percentages wise, right? So uh, was it the I, Silverado sold 500,000 trucks last year, 1500s, I think what the sales number was, around that number, half a million or so. Well, Chevrolet does not dis- disclose how many engines per that 500,000. They don't break it down like that. And I can't find the data anywhere. I've been in the shop 14 years. I've never seen that data. I've never seen it done by engine. And then I think the other thing too is it's like um, we've talked about it. When you look at these reliability stories, the engine's like the last of the issues. Currently today, there's a lot of other issues. Um, Infotainment systems are a huge one. Uh, Transmission can be a, a big topic. But as far as I've seen the last five years or so doing that, it's, it's not the engine that's usually the biggest issue. It's just it's other things. Like with the, the Tundra, the, the, 20, uh, the 2014 Tundra had a shock mount power that was leaking. It had a, uh, had a couple other issues that were not really engine related. And so I just, I don't know. I think it's interesting. So the Silverado 1500 uh, teaser on that article is that there's no real engine issues to talk about. I couldn't You're find like, anything. Surprise. Spoiler alert. I couldn't find anything. There, there is, there is an issue for the Silverado that's a known issue. Um, it's it's an infotainment system. People have had problems with the system crashing, with the system closing, shutting down. Uh, it hasn't killed the battery like it did with the Chevy Colorado, where the battery would just mm-hmm. die. But those are the issues we're talking about these days. The, 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 the days of don't buy this engine versus that engine are kind of gone in a way. Um, because it's all about other issues. So, I mean, in recent history, have you heard of, um, I mean, other than the, the whole lifter issue with the previous generation, um, Silverado, um, have you heard of like, like current model years, like big engine problems? Cause I, I have not. No, you typically get what I would, what I call, and that's what I call the lifter issue, a bad batch of parts. Yeah. Like the, the Tundra turbo wastegate issue was a bad batch of parts from the supplier, you know, yeah. and it sucks because people's viewpoint is, oh, my God, they had to take the cab off my truck and take this. Guys, if you pop the hood in the truck lately, <laughs> you're not working on it. You're, th- these mechanics, the yeah. first thing they're doing is how do we pop the cab off? How do we pop the whole front fender off? Because you can't work on them. They're so tight in there. So I, yeah. it, it just it, it, I think people lose their minds over that and I, you go talk to engineers and things and it's like yeah we designed it for the cab to come off ford has been designing the fm50 for the cab to come off for years and years the uh the gm uh, gm came back i don't know i want to say it three or four years ago with the new chevy silverado 4500 5500 they actually made the cab on that fold mm-hmm. ford like a semi-truck cab because right. they knew for maintenance issues because they knew that mechanics need to work on there's, there's a variety of three or four different parts that would just wear down over the life cycle of that truck, and they want to replace those parts, and they just knew it. And so no matter how they design the part, it, you're going to beat on it all day long. Well, guess what? Eventually, the part's going to wear out. It's not rocket science there. And they made it for the cab to come off. And, and I've said it, and people have screamed at me in the comments, and I told me I don't know what I'm talking about. And I go talk to mechanics, and I, and I actually know quite a few mechanics. I go talk to them, and they're just like, eh. It's it's four bolts and it's a it's a plug-in for the uh, wiring and there's maybe one more plug for the wiring. Like they want to take off the, the cap because it is that much easier. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. It it it, it is interesting. Well, uh, and the tough thing is, you say it's a bad batch of supplier parts. 
But like all people think is Toyota Tundra that had the problem, you know, Chevy Silverado that had the problem. It's not like the bad batch of parts or the supplier that was the problem. It's Chevrolet that's the problem. And people have very, 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 very long memories. Um, Like I still get questions about the Nissan CVT. That's bad. It's a bad CVT. Okay. It was bad in 2013. Welcome to 2024. It is no longer bad. Like they're not like there are lawsuits over the 2013, whatever, but, but 2024, welcome to it. <laughs> there is not a problem with the CVT on, on the continuously variable transmission um, on Nissan vehicles today in 2024. No, you bring up a great point. I, I was kind of, I put up a comment online on my Facebook and I just, I don't know, I, every once in a while I, I find a comment, I talk about it. And somebody on a 2023 Tacoma post uh, video was discussing a 2000 and 2001 Tacoma issue. And I was like, that was two generations ago. <laughs> like, and and I, reply, I replied, to them, like, I'm pretty sure they fixed it because that truck doesn't exist anymore. Like every part that you're talking about is gone. So, but I, I understand that if you get a lemon and you deal with that crap of a lemon and you have to take I, I get long histories. I totally get it. It's just, it's, it's, it's tough at times for our jobs to focus on the next things when we're yeah. constantly getting this. And I, and I reply as many as I could to YouTube comments. Cause it comes through like, what about this? And I'm like, huh? And they're like, well, my, oh, this is a good one. Um, <laughs> this, this one got me. I actually, I, I broke my rule. I typically don't argue with guys, but I argue with the guy in this one. So, so death, diesel exhaust fluid. Okay. We know what this is. Comes in a jug. It's got a long nozzle. I put it, I put, I don't know, four or five different death jugs over my life in diesel trucks. The Chevy Silverado outside, I still own. I buyer fell through. It's a long story. Um, I put multiple jugs of death in that. And the gentleman goes on the, the video for the death and he comments and he says, Deaf. That's whatever, but you can't put it in a Chevy truck. So I said, I commented back, I'm like, what are you talking about? I put it in a Chevy truck every day. And he goes, well, it doesn't work. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I literally just did it last month. I put a whole two and a half gallon jug and depth in there. And he's like, well, my 2010 Chevy Silverado 2500 wouldn't work. And so you can't use depth in those, any Chevy trucks. I'm like, well, don't make a blanket statement here just because it didn't work in your one truck. I do it all the time. Like, and then, then he was like, well, good for you. <laughs> I'm like, like, I'm just, I, I'm like, I'm not trying to argue with you, but I am trying to argue with you. Like, just move on. Uh, it's just, I don't know, one of those things. Um, I, I want to, before I get to the uh, best truck report, I, I do want to ask if you've had a chance to see the Chicago Tesla story. No. That has been, go- I'm surprised you haven't. That's been going around. I know you don't watch nightly news anymore, but that's been going around in Facebook and in places. So there was a bunch of Teslas stranded at charging stations in Chicago. Oh, that was Chicago. Yeah. Um, I did see that. I did see that. You, did, yeah. you saw the story, but you didn't know. Okay. Yeah. It yeah. was in Chicago. And somebody sent the, 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 the story I got was that the chargers themselves were not working in that extreme cold weather and that people were sitting for four or five hours waiting to charge to get any sort of mileage to get home. Yeah. And you have experience with EVs and charging. And I wonder like from your standpoint, how frustrating that would be. Very. Um, so what's really funny is I'm driving a Cadillac Lyric right now, which is electric luxury, small SUV. 
and uh, video to come. Stay tuned. Um, if you have any questions about it, please comment. Let me know. Uh, I haven't done the video yet. Um, but I, um, <laughs> I, I did a video about range loss on TikTok. And um, literally, I was driving from Chicago out to Palatine, which is 26 miles away. And somebody had asked me what the winter range loss was on a vehicle, like an electric vehicle, and specifically on the Lyric. And so I, I was just like, okay, this is where I'm at. I've got 250 miles of range. I'm going to drive 26 miles. And I got there and I had 200 miles of range. And I was like, I went 25, I lost 50 miles of range. So like that, that's how that worked. And then on the way back, I lost like 66 miles of range. And somebody was like, well, if you had a Tesla, that wouldn't be a problem. And I was just like, and so it was really funny because when I saw that, I didn't, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't read it, but I saw the headline and the picture. And I was just like, if you had a Tesla, you'd be stuck at a charging station. <laughs> so, um, but, but no, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I've been plugging the vehicle into my 110 volt. It's a trickle charge. Um, and I've been getting the trickle charge. I haven't been getting any less than what I would normally get. Um, and I haven't gone to like a, a fast charge station, but I'm going to drive it to Indianapolis this weekend. So chances are there's a fast charge, uh, fast charge opportunity in my future. But again, it's going to be a little bit warmer this weekend. It's warmer down in Indianapolis. So um I'm probably not going to have that experience, but yeah, it's frustrating when you come up to a charger and it doesn't work and it doesn't, um, you know, there's people waiting for it. And I mean, my whole thing is if I'm going to use a charger in Chicago, I live in Chicago and I'm going to go and top off up to 80% or whatever. I look at the app before I leave my house. And if every single charger is full or if two are broken, I'm not leaving yet. You know, and and, okay. and by the way, I am of the philosophy that EVs only work if you have a charger in your own garage. Like you shouldn't, I'm just going to say, you shouldn't own an EV if you live in an apartment, full stop. Don't do it. It's a bad idea. And you're going to be angry and cranky and you're going to be waiting four hours at a charging station that doesn't work. Um. So, and, and, I have a friend and I actually I met him for breakfast this morning and he um, works for IDOT, which is the Illinois Department of Transportation. And he's one of those people who goes and like helps stupid people who are stranded on the side of the road. I shouldn't say that helps people who had a problem on the side of the road. But, um, you know, he's he was telling me because like all of the, and, and this is something I need to dig into and research a little bit more. But like everything I've said or heard from automakers is. Oh, EVs, like if you were stopped stopped in the middle of a traffic or a snowstorm or whatever, you know, your EV would last for weeks because, you know, you're not going to be expending the energy that a gas engine would be expending to idle. So you could just sit there for weeks and leave your car on. And and I, I mentioned that to, to my friend Chris and he was like, no, he's like, one of the biggest things we've been doing in the, you know, the past three days is towing EVs off of the highway because they got stuck in traffic and ran out of charge. So, I mean, hmm. there's a couple of things that happened there. First off, I'm going to say bad owner um, because they probably don't have a charger at home or were operating. Like, I'm going to guess this is not your road tripping people who are getting towed off the side of the road. These are people who live in Chicago who are just like, I can make it with 20 miles of range. No, you can't. You just can't. Not in the cold weather. You just can't. 
and they're not charging their vehicle up every night at home. And then they're going out with 20 miles of range. Like I, I'm just going to the grocery store. It's fine. It is not fine. It is not fine. You should keep your vehicle charged at 80%, especially in this weather. And I mean, anybody who doesn't do that is a bad owner and, and they, they need, they need, they deserved to be towed. They deserve to be towed off the side of the highway um, because they, they got stalled. Um, but I just, I, I thought it was interesting because all of the automakers are saying you can last for two weeks, you know, sitting, you know, as long I've as you heard that too. Charge, yeah. But. Yeah. Our EV advocate friends have said that too. Like, and, and I would, I would argue that they are right. If you have a gas engine that's idling and an EV that's idling in moderately cold weather, I'm going to say 30 degrees, 40 degrees, whatever. Mm-hmm. My philosophy is the EV will probably last longer because it's not using as much energy to heat the cabin. Yeah. However, we have gone through a massive cold stretch. I don't know about you, but it was we had we had a day. Daytime high was negative one. Overnight mm-hmm. low was negative thirty one with wind chill. Yeah, I don't. I like. I know our our like our lows have been without the wind chill have been like negative fifteen, negative sixteen. And um, the day that I did my range video, we were hovering between negative five and like one. Right. <laughs> and this is like at the end of the day. So that was like the warmest part of the day. Right. And so I think in those cold temperatures on a highway and people are driving slowly anyways, because the ice roads, black ice, that kind of situation, I, I would have, I would agree with you. 80% full charge, tons of extra range to get where I want to get to. Um, yeah. it, it has been interesting. I actually, I need to probably replace the Serato battery. The Serato currently won't start. The battery died. It froze in the cold temperatures. And yeah. I talked to my, I talked to my friends and they have lost snow, snow throwers. We, they've lost battery operated snow throwers are dead because the battery is just too cold. It's mm-hmm. actually freezing the battery in the garage. And so I think that re- brings up a really interesting question. Um, and Dave and Canada brought it up. And I think it's a really interesting thought. Um, if an EV battery freezes, does that shorten the length that the battery will live? Does it shorten its life? That's, I mean, that's a good question. That's a I really interesting question. I think that's a really fascinating question. And, I, and I'm not, and again, I'm not trying to be like anti EV here. I'm just, I'm a practical guy. And so I think there are places where EVs do make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. My wife should get an EV. Uh, my dad should get an EV in Florida. It's just, it make a ton of sense, right? Uh, we drive EVs all the time. They're called golf carts. I'm not like, Oh, I'm not not aware of the technology. I know how it exists and how it works. But I, I do think this cold snap has really brought this into uh, a really interesting question on what's going on now. Like, again, the diesel battery froze. I don't know if it's good or not. I'm going to probably take it, pull it, get it checked, take it down to AutoZone, have, or, or, or at least have a battery checker system. They check it, that kind of stuff. Um, and that stuff does happen. It's out in the cold. And, it, I mean, it was, again, uh, it was so cold, our dog door that is plastic froze. And yeah. we had to like break it open a little bit, let the dogs out. I mean, it. I, I have been through some cold snaps, but this is this it's, has been brutal. Yeah, and, the locks on our gates are frozen. Like, I, like we have to leave the gate open, or we can't get in or out of the the gate. <laughs> Sorry, this is hilarious. We also, Kirk Soldier says, we also have flying car cars. They are called helicopters. <laughs> so CES just happened, Consumer Electronics Show. I didn't go. Jill didn't go. I don't. I don't. I anymore. I don't even want to go to the show because it's so ridiculous stuff you see there. The, the, this prototype stuff, maybe that comes to to the the market. 
but there was a couple different stories about flying cars there. And I have a friend who's a big flying car advocate. And uh, I'm like, oh. uh, I thought the diesels were coming with battery blankets. I don't mind they come with a battery blanket. Um, yeah, I should have. I, I should have had the battery blanket. Uh, some guys pointing out that Alberta, Canada, North. I, I get it. I should have had more protection. I didn't think about it. I just all of a sudden it seemed like it was 45. Yeah. And then just boom. This, this was a crazy. Like I mean, welcome to 2024. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, this was just a crazy, crazy like drop in in temperature and and i want to call this because the speaking of 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 ces where is it i know you wrote the story on the vin fast thing i gotta find here it is oh i gotta find this thing because this thing was uh, the well i can was it the i don't even was it the wild that's wild well, yeah wild yeah, the wild so wait let me give you a little back back story um jill and i had been in contact because of what's going on in their family and she's like and I could tell she just wanted to talk to me. And I, great. She had some things. She needed, she had a mental break. And so she sees this. And I think you texted me or something like this. You're like, seriously, fine. I'll write this up Monday or something. I mean, it just, it was like one of those situations where you could even tell Jill was like, really, really, this is what you want to do. And, and I was like, all right. So this thing, and I talked about it on the news recap, this thing is wild. It, I don't even know how to describe it for those. On the Literally podcast. wild. It is literally wild. I it reminds me. <laughs> this is gonna sound bad. If you've ever been in the backwoods of different places, you have seen the lifted Camaro with big tires on it. Yes. This looks like a lifted Camaro with the with like a bed on it, like an El Camino lifted Camaro looking thing. That just it just has. I don't know if it has any. I don't know. I I just don't know. So this is a concept the Vietnamese automaker put out there on CS. And uh, they lost a vehicle. They launched a vehicle last year. Pretty bad reviews currently. On yeah, it. was it the EV8? Oh, that was the that. first. Our broke. That's interesting. Yeah. Does that show like? Uh, yeah, we'll fix. We'll fix that. We have. We, we, click on that a second. Yeah. What why happens? That's open. That's weird. I mean, maybe it's because it's, it's offsite. Yeah, we need to ask about that. That's weird. It's not a broken link. No. We have an IT team. We've been working a lot with the IT team lately, so we'll, we'll get that figured out. Um, if you're listening to podcast, we have a it's a it's a link, and the story's got a line through it. I don't know why. Um, anyway, so we're looking at these different images. We have some really crazy doors. Uh, it's at midside. I guess we had two photos. Um, yeah, they only gave us two photos. They gave us two photos, which is only the front photos, by the way. Yeah. And this was a company, right, that wanted to bring the car, the car SUV truck, whatever, to market. And then lease you the battery separately. Wasn't that the yeah, deal for a while? That, that was the original idea was you could buy the car, but you lease the battery. And then like when your lease was up on the battery, then you could exchange it. Uh, but they put the kibosh on that. So they're not doing that anymore. Um, it, it's just, yeah. I mean, the EV8 had very, very bad reviews. And I feel like they essentially in like, a year we're like we're going to be a car company that does evs and then bam here's our car and it's like it's not that easy yeah, um yeah. and and now they have this truck and i don't know if the truck is going to come to market but i mean well and then they, they had a bunch of journalists go to vietnam and visit with the billionaire trainer dude over on their there own like island. island and it just it's a very very interesting rollout and i'm this is a question i asked um i asked this in a facebook post 
and it got a lot of response. So I actually ask it to you and I want the audience to kind of um, chime in on this. There was a story about how China now is the world's largest EV automakers over mm-hmm. there, right? And they're beating Tesla and the BYD company apparently makes these EVs and beating Tesla, whatever, over there. Right. And they're talking about importing these Chinese made EVs to the United States. And so I, and then in the article, it was from my friend, um, John Volker, who wrote it for Car and Driver. I'll just say it. he wrote a good article. And he's talked about how Americans don't love China because China is basically declared war in the United States and and cultural war. I'm not saying war war. I'm saying cultural war and they don't like us and all stuff going on back there. So I asked the question, would U.S. automaker or would U.S. consumers buy a China made EV? And I was not I was not trying to be uh, racist. I was just asking a question. I just I wasn't I didn't, I didn't have a conclusion. I didn't have, I didn't, I just asked the question and wow, I got lots of feedback. So Jill, I asked you the question because I know you have no opinions at all. You're happy to go lucky at everything. Uh, it's just water. Um, so I, the question is, do you think U.S. consumers would buy a Chinese EV? No. And, and, and it's really interesting because, um, so BYD is obviously Chinese, but um, Volvo is not. And Volvo, I, I guess I should say yes and no. Um, Volvo is Swedish, but the EX30, the new compact EV that I drove in Spain, is Chinese made. And, you know, they are owned by a Chinese company. And so it's funny because um, I think a lot of people don't know that, but the people who know it are very violently against it. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you are absolutely right. I've, I've heard that. From time to time again, people are like, oh, it's a Volvo, it's Swedish, it's safe, whatever. Then they're going, no, it's a Chinese company. Wait, what? I'm not buying it. Yeah. And I, so I would say if BYD being so, and, and I don't know if they pronounce it BYD or if it's BID. Right, um, I know uh, I see a lot of comments. Yeah, the side about the, um, Beans says, he says, I'm sorry, but BYD sounds like a maker of underwear, which I agree. <laughs> I not, it doesn't sound like a maker of my underwear, but you have at that. Right. No, I mean, there's a, yes, I could see jeans, men's underwear. Yes. I'm like not girls underwear. Right. Um, but, but no, I mean, I just, I, I feel like a, an overtly Chinese company is going to be a tough sell. Just like I feel like an overtly Vietnamese company is going to be a tough sell. But then again, like hunting um, Kia are doing really well. So I, I think maybe it'll just take time. Um, but China is, I think, going to be different because of just the the um, the war that you mentioned, the, you know, the consumer wars um, going on and the taxes. And uh, I, I don't know. And I, I just I feel like people if, if when it's not overtly Chinese, I think people can talk themselves into a lot of things. But I do think um I do think it's going to be like an actual Chinese company. I think it's going to be a tough sell for most Americans. And, and I, I mean, if the quality is good, if it's reasonably priced, which I don't know how it will be because I'm sure it's going to be taxed out the wazoo. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think it necessarily matters where it comes from. Cause when you look at American automakers like Buick, which is also made in China, um, a lot of Buicks are made in China. And, and so I just, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a global economy and I think 
just because it has an American name or a Chinese name, like that doesn't necessarily tell the full story. A lot of Hondas are made in America. A lot of BMWs are made in America. Um, we we well, saw at, like look the, at the, Ford, Toyota, yeah, the Toyota Tundra is the most American made truck by no, any it's not. The Honda Ridgeline is. Well, oh, you look see at, the Honda Ridgeline is, but I mean, yeah, but look at the um, they don't like, build look it the American made index. Yeah. And, and you see like how American American trucks really are. And I want to say it's like the the GMC Sierra and the Silverado are like not American at all. No, they're like 45 percent or like high 50s, depending how you look at it. Yeah, it's, it's very much. I, I would agree. I, I thought it was interesting because one of my friends commented, he says, well, he goes, if it's cheap enough, they'll just buy it. It's like the Walmart philosophy. Nobody looks at see where stuff's made in Walmart. They just want it to be cheap. Right. And it's an, that's an interesting question. I don't know. I, I remember I talked to my dad once about VinFast mm-hmm. and he goes, nobody of my generation is buying that. All of our friends either renew them or they died in Vietnam. He goes, right. we're not buying that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, and, so, and, and I've actually, um, I, I've, I've had difficulty talking about VinFast too much on the channel. Cause I just, I know the sediments out there and I just don't want to open an old wound with anybody. And uh, yeah, last last our foster says people buy iPhones. iPhones are made in China, right? Yep. And I mean, so, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's it's an interesting question. Like, do, does does car are cars different? Are vehicles different when you buy them versus other consumer electronics or consumer items? Well, and here's here's I think another interesting facet: are females going to be different than males in terms of their like sentiment of where something is built. And I tend to think that guys are a little bit more, you know, America, you know, it's gotta be made in America. And uh, whereas women are much more, is it affordable? Is it a better product? And so they're looking at the, the end product and what they're getting uh, over um, necessarily where it's coming from. And I, you know, I just, I listened to um, an interesting podcast. Uh, It, it's, um, what is it? It's like making sense of the news or something like that. But it was a podcast about, uh, is it called Shine or Xian, um, which is a, um, a Chinese fashion company. And it like makes stuff that is not very sustainable. So like everything I own in my closet is Ann Taylor, which is well-made and fits me. I don't have to have it shortened or altered in any way. My wedding dress was Ann Taylor and I didn't have any alterations to it. It was amazing. So like pretty much 99% of my closet is Ann Taylor, but there's this big trend um, amongst women, especially in that um, they are buying from like Timu or um, like this Shein or Shine um, where you can buy like a shirt that looks like something from Ann Taylor but it's $5 instead of $60. And, um, but it, the material isn't as good and it's not going to last as long and the seams are going to rip and it's disposable, but they're willing to do it so that they can change over their closets more often. So I don't know, I would be very curious to see uh, what um, like the male versus female comments were. I mean, did you get any women who commented on your post? No, it was all men. It was all men. Um, because I, I just, I would be very curious to see what that breakdown would be. And I bet, um, women, like I said, would focus more on the product and the price, whereas men are just like, nope, needs to be made in America. But again, American made index, we should, we should, well, I, I'll find it. I'll drop it in the comments because, um, like your truck is not as American as you think it is. 
I love that index from cars.com every year. I write a story about it because it's so amazing and shocking. I think we should ask Robbie to graph that question. Maybe he can do a survey mm. in Auto Pacific about that. Cause I think it'd be interesting to get their viewpoint on that. So why don't you look for that? I'm going to pull up this 2023 longest lasting best bang for the buck kind of story. Okay. Um, just cause I think it's interesting for two things. First of all, if you didn't catch the, the video I did two days ago, which judging by the views, you're one of the few who didn't were <laughs> watching the heck out of that video. And for good reason, it's, it's people always ask me what's the best bang for the buck, which truck lasts longest. And I think there's a couple things to take away from this. First of all, it's an iccars.com study. They are like uh, Edmunds or a car gurus or car.com. And so they looked at 8.3 million new vehicles sold from September, 2023 through December, 2023. Then they compared the information with their prior longest lasting vehicle study. They looked at 181 million used vehicle odometer readings. I I originally originally had this as rankings and I didn't catch it. You didn't catch it either. And I did the video. I got to tell you, I had to stop the video and redo it because I'm like, no, it's readings, not rankings. Um, Anyways, and they they put it all together and they uh, figured out what it would cost you per 10,000 miles and longest lasting. So there's a couple things going on here. So I'm looking at the midsize chart, and and there's a few missing pieces. The Ford Ranger's not on here, and the Jeep Gladiator's not, not on here. And from IC cars, my understanding is it hasn't been a continuous uh, production for 10 years. I do question the Chevy Colorado because that actually took a break in 2014. So I don't know what the math is, but that's what, what they told me. That's what they said. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, maybe 10, you're right, 2024. Maybe it's been 10 years. I don't know. It seems kind of weird. But anyways... Uh, the average new car price was $42,406. That's for a mid-sized truck. And the average lifespan of a mid-sized truck is 206,219 miles. So again, looking at looking at 181 million used vehicle odometers, putting them in a spreadsheet, separating them out by vehicle, not by engine, not by transmission, by vehicle, and then doing an average. The Honda Ridgeline actually was the best at 243,000. Tacoma, slightly below that, 239,000. Nissan Frontier, 144,000, which I found fascinating because I've done many different stories like this over the years. And Nissan Frontier has always been more reliable and lasted. So I was surprised by that. But what I want to point out in that survey is people always ask me, hey, Tim, I'm going to buy a truck. I need to last 10 to 15 years. Well, if you look at this information and you drive 10, 12, 14, 15,000 a year, I think the average is 12, now it's 15. They all last 10 to 15 years. I mean, unless not unless you get a bad Nissan Frontier or a bad vehicle um, overall, you just, I mean, they all last. So the, the, the conversation about that is is mute. I'm still, I'm still going to get the question. And I kind of wrote this story for myself. So that way people ask me, I just throw that back in the comments. Here, read this one. <laughs> just because it's like, they all last that long. There's, there's no bad truck anymore. But I thought that, thought that was interesting. And the odometer readings has got quite a bit of controversy on the YouTube channel as well. In the comments, people don't like the idea that's how they figured out lifespan. I don't know. Um, I That's what they did. This is their study. Looking at the best full study. This part, is their study and that's what they did. Deal right? with it. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I mean, I'm, I'll grab a cookbook because I'm terrible at math, but full size trucks, the average lifespan is 187,490. So what do we say? Uh, midsize was 206. So we're giving up 13,000 miles, which I guess kind of makes sense to me, right? Full size gets used a little more towing. You do more stuff with full size, new midsize. But even 186,000 uh, miles divided by 15,000 miles, you're looking at 12.46 years. So they all last over 10 years. And some, well, depending on how you take care of them, 
last longer than that. And Nissan Titan is again at the bottom of our list, 144,000 miles. So wow. I, yeah, I thought it was interesting. And it, they said they don't do heavy duty trucks because it, they focus on consumer, which tells me, which was my viewpoint on this was that means that in the light duty trucks, it's more consumer, not fleet. And they do compact trucks. Compact trucks have been out for more than 10 years. So that, that's kind of story in that one. But I don't know. I thought it was interesting that, you know, like I said, you and I get the question all the time. Buy the truck. How, many, how, how it's going to last. I look at the data and the data says they all last. Yeah. But uh, were you surprised? They're going to last longer. Right. So do you have any surprises on this? Were you surprised at the Nissan? No. I mean, Nissan isn't really a truck maker. So... Mm. You know, they're, and the, and the, they're typically more expensive, and um, they haven't been in the game that long. And obviously, Titan is now out of game. So I don't know. I mean, I no Nissan doesn't surprise me. Hmm. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Chevy Silverado is on top with full size trucks. I, you know, and, and I have a Chevy Silverado outside. I'm not, and I've had the Tundra. I've owned. I actually have owned. One so there's six trucks in there. I've owned three, so I, I clearly I'm not biased, but I was surprised by that too because I thought and 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 it, I was almost hesitant to run the story. I woke up and I saw the news. We saw it. We both saw the press release, and I was like, "Oh my god, I run the story!" Because I get to ask the question all the time. Got to get it out. Got to get it out. So I was on a fire to get it out. But I had written the Chevy Silverado 2023 known problems a couple days before, and so when I knew that information, I wasn't surprised. Even though what's interesting about this is that. Uh, was it two years ago, three years ago now? Consumer Reports basically said that the, the GM full-size trucks are the worst trucks you can buy in the market. Well, I mean, they still say that. They say that every yeah. year. They say that every year. They they literally do. They just hate those trucks for I don't know what a reason. Then, um, yeah, I, I and I've owned one. And I've had no problems. So I don't know. It just it seems it's it's so interesting. And that's why I tell people don't rely on one study. Get multiple studies. Yeah, do do and and that's what we try to do is we try to look at multiple studies um, to to compile the data into a single place. Like the year known problem story you did, you looked at carcomplaints.com, consumer reports, and I think you looked at NHTSA. Yeah. So um, you know, I I do think it's it's important to look at all of the data. But I mean, I I say this pretty much in every like, how reliable is it story that I make? The heart wants what the heart wants. And you're just looking for a reason to buy what your heart wants. So you will find a reason for it or, you know, against it. But at the end of the day, like you're going to buy what you want to buy because you want to buy it. And you're going to say, ah, I don't care if it's not reliable. That That's your business. But go into it with your eyes open. That's all I'm saying. I've heard this comment before. Bob brings it up. The list does not show overall cost of ownership, just divides the average purchase price by average miles driven. Yeah. The cost of vehicle and typical miles driven skews results. I've heard that the same comment of overall cost of ownership. And I think Kelly Blue Book does this, or Edmonds one of the two does this, where they do the total cost of ownership. And uh, I feel like the results are pretty similar to what we've covered in the past. Um, I don't feel like that has changed very often. And if you look at Cost of ownership, like you said, so does not include repair, et cetera. So it's really a limited bit of information, in my opinion. Um, you know, it, I've had trucks for years, and I've had trucks where I've done oil changes to it and replaced the brakes, maybe, or replaced the uh, maybe a belt eventually in long term ownership. I've had trucks where I've seen, I've seen my friends have trucks where they have a basket case, and they have to do tons of repairs, and they have to pull the whole engine out. So 
I don't know. It, it, I think a lot of times it's about luck. Sometimes you get luck to you get a good truck because you get a good truck. The odds, the gods were with you. But I think that overall, when you look at the information, looking at vehicles, we're selling uh, two, three million trucks a year. And I think the statistics are that trucks have never been more reliable is what I tell people. And it really comes down to performance or not performance, but what do you want? Like what's the styling? What's the entertainment? What's the seats? What's it? What's it? Do you want the V8? Do you want to? Do you want to be six? Do you want? Do you want a turbo V6? Do what? What do you want? I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to um, for most consumers. And I tend to get a lot of people are saying, "I'm going to buy a used truck, and I want to know what's going to last longest." I'm like, "Well, in that case, you have to buy whatever you can find because <laughs> the used truck market. I mean, used truck market can be scary because you don't know what the previous owner did to it. You have an idea from Carfax, but you yeah. don't know if they did everything right. You don't know what's going to happen." Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just did a Google search on the total cost of ownership, and it's Edmonds. Okay. Um, that does it, and I'm just I'm going to drop that link in the comments as well. well if do you want to put on the, you want do you want to put on the page on the on the channel? Do you want to share it? I, I can. I, I'm also sharing the link, and I, I mean the thing is, is it's a calculator, so you have to type in your stuff. Oh. So maybe it's not worth sharing. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's a calculator, and the idea is. It says the Edmonds Inc. True Cost to Own pricing system calculates the additional costs you may not have included when considering your next vehicle purchase. These extra costs include depreciation, interest on your loan, taxes and fees, insurance premiums. That's a good one. Fuel costs, maintenance and repairs. So you can type in your zip code. You have the ability to select your make, year, model and then style and then um, go. Well, OK, you know, you know what? For giggles. I'm just going to, I'm going to put in my car, Volkswagen. Oh, and VinFast is actually on here. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of, um, we, oh, well, you know, let's see. Let's start up on the screen so we can follow along. Oh, why is that fun? Hold on. Let's it's fun see. for me. I'm not going to look at you talk on the, I like seeing your face and all, but seriously. Everybody likes seeing my face. Okay. Uh, so let's see. If you notice Jill's moving her hands a lot tonight, she painted her hands with some nail. Well, I painted my, I put nail so, polish on, just clear. Right, so she's moving her hands a lot to dry it. So that's what, you know, not only being Italian, but she's also got to dry her fingernails too. You need to clean your screen though. Uh, okay, so let's see. Hopefully I'm going to share the right screen. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think this is the one. There we go. All right, here we go. We're on, we're on business here, folks. Um, so cost of current, I think what's interesting about this is depreciation is a topic that people don't, that people like to talk about and, and resell value, and we do stories on this as well. I, it, it's interesting because people talk about the Tundra having such great resell value, and the one I had in 2022 did not have great resell value. It, it wasn't really that great. So I don't know. Everybody's, everybody's opinions are different on this stuff. Yeah. So I just, I just typed in our car. Yes. Um, and it's really fascinating because it shows you like your insurance and like it has all of the totals at the end. Let's, let's go back. Let's put in a truck. Let, let's put in Tim's truck. What, what is your zip code, Tim? Uh, geez. Six, nine, three, four, one. And it was 2023. Um, and you have a crew cab. Good God. What, what was your, was it high country? It's high country term. I got to wait for your computer to catch up a little bit. All I can see is 
<laughs> I see after you select it, I don't see the pop-ups. Oh, so, okay. So a high country four-door crew cab. Yes. Um, These are diesel. I don't see that option. So just do high country. I see 5.3 liter, eight cylinder, 5.3 liter, eight. Yeah. So these are all, um, so there's none with the diesel. So we'll just, we'll just do, um, the, one of the, so. Okay. So total cost to own is 72,276. Total cash price is 68,638. That's about what I spent on it. Uh, repairs. $963. $963. Maintenance, $4,422. That's a five-year breakdown? Yep. Wow. That's an, Year four must be all of your 100,000-mile warranty stuff because it shows $2,000 uh, $2, for maintenance. So it must be, must be figuring year four for all your, your bigger maintenance items. Because the last couple – so it's 291 527 516 Those numbers seem a little high to me, but okay. Um, repairs, taxes, and fees. Yeah, your tax is really high, then they go down because the sales tax. Um, financing, well, you find if finance depreciation. So I should you lose thirteen thousand dollars the first year. <laughs> Interesting, and then less as the years go on, and then twenty four thousand dollars in depreciation. Fuel is fifteen thousand, so total cost to own is seventy two thousand two seventy six. Yeah, and the fuel is probably not right because again diesel versus gas but right. at any rate this is this is a this is a rabbit hole if you were curious um and i mean maybe maybe we could do a comparison like using this tool and then looking at the ic car thing and see how it levels yes. i don't know i rabbit holes i love rabbit holes you do it'd be interesting to see i don't know it, it's and the thing is like you said it depends on the zip code depends what you're looking at and then i you know a lot of people talk about they want to truck for good resale value and then they say, then they comment. I literally had to come to me a year or two later going, okay, I sold that truck and buy something else. Well, it didn't matter because you keep it long enough for resale value. Like for me, like the Tundra I had for a year, it wasn't long enough. I needed longer to keep resale value. Right. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it is interesting. Um, I, who knows? But, you know, buying a vehicle, you can, you can sit down with pen and paper and look at trims, look at pricing, look at stuff, look at every little metric you want. But sometimes, like you said, the heart wants what the heart wants. I mean, sometimes you just go, I want that. And you can't say why you want that. You just want that. I know a lot of people that, that just, they're going to, they go buy a full-size truck because they just want a full-size truck. Yeah. Right? They buy a, buy a Raptor. They buy a TRX just because they want the TRX to Raptor. They, they never Baja. They never use the truck for that's potential. They just, they just want it. And yeah. I, I, I think we see that time and time again. I'm, I'm seeing that a lot with um, a Cybertruck. I'm seeing a lot of people in the comments and things, and I've been on a lot of different videos watching other people's stuff on this because I'm just trying to understand it better. And people are just like, I just want it because it's cool. It's different. Like the, there, there is no pen and paper. There's no rationalization. There's no uh, cost of ownership. There's no discussion on resale value, depreciation, and that stuff. It's just, I was, I just want it. And here's, here's my money. Just give it to me. And it, I don't know. It's, it, it is interesting what people, a viewpoint. And I, I find it fascinating that we do all these videos and reviews and comparisons and stuff. And then I look at the comments. They're like, eh, "I drove by the other day, did a ship, walked over, and just gave a check." <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Heart wants what the heart wants, right? So, yeah, I, th I think that's really interesting. Um, I want to wrap this up tonight because I have a dishwasher to put back in place. Uh, we're working; it's 
we finally got the parts in to fix it, so it's fixed, but we got to put it back in a certain spot. Um, that I want to talk about some future stuff going on because I want to know some few points for you guys. Lexus GX first drives next week. Uh, we have the Ram 1500 2025 model uh, in February. What's interesting with that 2025 Ram 1500 is that we're not talking the Ram Charger, the not plug-in hybrid, plug-in hybrid truck thing. Uh, we're not talking about the RHO, which you talked about was basically a TRX co- replacement, as far as we can tell. It's really, there's like, what'd you say? It was three words in a press, co- press release or a sentence or something about it. I mean, it's just no real details from Ram on this. Uh, Ford Ranger drives coming up. It'd be interesting to see what that, and that has been, I think, strike delayed and supply delayed and just, it just, just delayed, delayed. Yeah. So I think it's interesting um, what's going to happen with that. Uh, Chicago Auto Show, which we just talked about, which I follow news. Jill wrote it up. Um, Slantis has pulled out. Dealers are now filling up. And did you see the news today that the Mark Fields, the uh, not Mark Fields, uh, Mark is his name. I forget his last name. The COO of Slantis is just is just going to retire and not retire. Excuse me, he's leaving the position. So I'm gone by the end of the month. I did not see that. And they're bringing up a guy from Mexico who had run the Latin American division, whatever, to become the new COO of Slantis. So I I have some questions for Ram <clears throat> about what the hell is going on. Ram's got a new CEO. Uh, was it new COO? Jeep has a new CEO. Um, the, the brand just seems like it's all out of whack at the moment n- and no auto shows. And so, well, they're going to do New York or at least Camp Jeep at New York. But are they? okay, I, I mean, I think what we're seeing here is a shift for auto shows from away from a news media focus. Like I, I, I imagine um, auto shows. Like if there's a media day, it'll be a day, and it'll literally only be a half of a day. Uh, but I, I just think that they're moving away from a media focus, news focus at auto shows, and they're starting to focus on consumers. So instead of like these big splashy displays that we got used to in the early 2000s and you know 1990s, I think what you're going to start seeing is more dealer installations, um, you know, instead of a national presence. So just because nationally Stellantis pulled out, I'll be very curious to see if any de- dealers step up and bring cars to have a display at the Chicago Auto Show. Because very often, um, like sometimes like the luxury automakers, BMW, I don't think that that was a, a national um, display. I think that was dealer installed. So and Mercedes, I think was dealer installed. Right. And so um, I, I just I think it'll be interesting to see if any dealers will show up to take at least mm, a little bit of the space because one of the benefits of going to an auto show for me and Tim is to do a um, like comparison videos. And people are always asking me um, what's the best third row of, you know, a smaller SUV. What's, you know, the best SUV to drive for a petite woman. What's the best, you know, mid-size truck, full-size truck. And we've, We've managed to capture a couple of those, but Tim, you know, he was telling me in Chicago, we need to plan on doing another one of these videos. And I'm like, ow, if, if automakers aren't going to have the vehicles there to do the comparisons, how? Yeah. Um, it makes it more difficult for us to do our jobs. But I mean, clearly the automakers don't care. 
but then we also have, um, by the way, a Ranger Raptor guy. Uh, Mid March is Ranger Drive. Um, probably embargoed. Probably end of March before you have any details on that. Um, uh, Elliot brings up the point where Detroit's moving back to January. Mm-hmm. Yay! Cold as Detroit in January. I but but I, again, I don't think that they're going to have if they have a media day. Like nobody's going to be there because everybody's going to be at CES in Las Vegas, which is way warmer than Detroit in January. Yeah, by the way, if they do have it, you are planning on going by yourself. <laughs> I, I, I will say, as somebody who grew up in Detroit, in Michigan, that uh, in 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 January in Detroit, there's not a lot going on at all. So the auto show was a nice respite. Mm-hmm. You actually had some place to go to walk around to be out out of your house because it can be pretty nasty in Michigan that time of year. So I think, I think it's interesting too. I, I I don't know. Auto shows have gone up and down. I've we've seen. The growth of online live streaming events that have taken a big chunk of auto shows, um, but I still agree with you. I think it's I think auto shows are consumer auto shows, and without the vehicles there, it makes it really hard for consumers to really get a good idea of what they're looking at. Yeah, no, I mean, I had a friend who I went with him a couple of years ago to Chicago. Um, he was looking for a new like small SUV, and he the Honda CRV was on top of his list, and that was the year that Honda chose not to participate in the show. And so we were walking around. He had a clipboard with a spreadsheet of all of the vehicles that he wanted to look at. And he sat in everything he could, but he couldn't sit in the Honda CRV. So you know what? He did not buy a Honda CRV. He bought a Hyundai Tucson. Yeah. I mean, it, and it happens. Uh, Elliot's saying that Chicago is way warmer than Detroit in February. Uh, just so you know, we the hotel is connected to the auto show in Chicago. So we don't, we have, don't to have to go, go outside. outside. <laughs> no, no, there's nothing connected to um, Kobo or whatever, Huntington Place, place I think they're calling yeah. it now. I remember um, walking along the Detroit River like in January with the wind chill and humidity up there and walking in it was it used to walk in at 5.30 in the morning because you had to be there early for the first press conference and uh, no, I will. The and I did everything. I did wool coat. I did gloves, hats. Oh yeah, coats. I did. It doesn't matter. It just no. You're, you're, yeah. Well, the, the worst was when I worked for a company that owned TV stations, mm-hmm. and I would team up with the morning anchor to do because um, you know from Detroit, and we would team up and we would start like because they're morning TV oh, morning starts TV at like. a.m. So I had to be on the show floor at like 3.30 a.m. so that we could start doing live hits. (laughs) I'm just like, so 3.30 a.m. in Detroit, walking down the street (sighs) with snow like pelting me. And I'm like, and I've got to be on camera in five minutes. I'm like, awesome. So yeah, our our TV friends that do early morning TV, they're always posting on Facebook. I was up at three or I was up at two or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. Sucks to be you. Like, there's nothing about that that appeals to me at all. Like, not even a little bit. And and then like being like not just TV media, but like regular media. Then you're on the floor, like the the morning show people. Like, they leave at ten, and so they're they're there from like three a.m. until ten. But like, no, 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 no. I got there at three thirty, and I was there until like six p.m. And I'm just like, my day sucks. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, no. no. All right, that's what we got for you tonight on this live stream. Make sure you put comments below and any questions that follow up. Uh, live free, by the way. We talked about that earlier on the show, by the way. If you missed that detail on the Lifters conversation, we did that as well. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey, podcast people out there of the world, appreciate you guys as well. 
as always, thanks for watching. We will see you <laughs> down the road.